Happy Independence Day. Uh, it's great to celebrate the 4th of July. It's great to celebrate being free. But even more so, we come because we're celebrating the fact that we're free in Jesus. And that is the best freedom to know because that, my friends, is a freedom that no one can ever take away from us. If you know Jesus and you know His freedom, then there's no one who will ever take that away from you. So it is my joy to be with you here this morning. I've been in bivocational ministry for probably about 25 years, but my, uh, my family and I have uh, landed here at Village Bible Church for a season, and we're very thankful for that. God's really been working in our lives through our time here, and there's probably nothing I'd rather do than to open God's Word and to share it with people. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to do that with you today. So let's jump in. Today we're talking, of continuing our series on help. Help. And today is help. I'm ashamed. And we hope and desire as pastors and leaders here at Village Bible Church that this series is helping you and meeting you right where you are in your place of need. But this morning, I'm really honored to be able to share this message because I really love what the Bible is teaching us about this. So God has invited us into a place and into a life of intimacy with Him. And there is no better, I'm sure you've gotten wedding invitations, maybe a, a shower invitation or some kind of invitation to some part of your celebration, but there is no invitation that is so great, so marvelous, and so wonderful as the invitation to enjoy intimacy with God. So let me repeat that for us one more time. God has invited us into a place and into a life of intimacy with Him. It is a life of being able to know Him and to be known by Him. And my friends, there is no greater longing in the human heart than to know and to be known. And so we are in a great place this morning as those who've been invited, and God has invited us there into that place in life of intimacy, and He has made the way so that we can be there and so that we can remain there all throughout our lifetime, right here, right now, but also ultimately in glory in heaven forever with Him. But sin and shame, but sin and the shame that results from it are a major, major roadblock and distraction. Sin and shame push us into and try to keep us in the dark. That's what shame does. It puts us in a place where we don't want to be seen, we don't want to be known. But that's the exact opposite thing that God created you for. He created you to be known and to know. And so the goal of this morning's message is to help each and every one of us shed the shame and enjoy the intimacy that God has invited us into. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 John, John's first epistle. We're going to read 1 John chapter 1 into verse 2 of chapter 2. So if you'd read along with me this morning, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. Please pay attention to the words that John is using and think about this invitation that I've mentioned. 1 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. This is the message that we have heard from Him, and we proclaim to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Would you bow and pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for your precious word this morning, and we thank you for this invitation into fellowship, into a place of being known and being able to know you. God, would you call us out of the darkness and into your light that we might remain there, that we might walk there, and that we might allow the blood of Jesus to continually keep on cleansing us from all sin. God, plant the seeds of your word, the truth of your word, to bring freedom into the lives of your people here this morning. We trust you and thank you, and we depend upon you to both hear and to speak your word this morning, and we pray this in the beautiful and wonderful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So as you can see, John is inviting us in. He says, hey, we, we have heard, and we have seen, and we have handled the word of life. And we want you to know about it. So we're here to proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you can enjoy it with us. And truly, he says, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What a, what a beautiful, glorious invitation. But there's another invitation I want us to see. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 for a moment. If you've got your Bible, flip with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter gives us a different imitation, but here's the thing. I want you to pay close attention to Peter's words because at first it's probably not going to sound like an invitation. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, in the first 12 verses, Peter's been declaring the wonders of 
what it means to be born again and to have a hope that's reserved for us in heaven. But then he turns in verse 13 and he says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, I, know about, I don't know about you, but in my flesh, when I hear that, I feel like this weight is being added to my shoulders. Be holy. Be holy. Come on now. He's holy, so get some holiness. But that's not what's going on here. I want you to understand something. God would never call you to be holy if he hadn't already made provision for it. And here's the point. God is holy and he wants to be with you. And he wants you with him. And so therefore, he says, be holy because he is holy. So this morning, as we hear Peter's words and as we hear John's words, please hear the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning, from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to you, I want you to be with me. Not just someday off in the blue, blue sky up in heaven. No, God says right now, right here, right in this moment, and in all the moments that you have later on this week, God says, walk with me, talk with me, listen to me. It's a beautiful, wonderful invitation. We saw just recently in Hebrews chapter 12, it said our fathers disciplined us for a time as best they knew how. But God disciplines us that we might share in his holiness. So even when God brings discipline into our lives, it is the whole point is not to punish. The whole point of that Discipline is to restore and to bring back what we had lost. And that was his presence and the fullness of all of who he was available to us. So shame is a real thing. And remaining in a place of shame blinds us to the holiness that has already been bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ through his death his burial, and his resurrection, which we celebrated in communion this morning. Now, the enemy of our souls, Satan, and all of his demons wants you and he wants me to be isolated and in the dark. That's what he wants. He wants us to be isolated and in the dark because that is where he can have his way with us. I want you to imagine for a moment a boxing match. It's probably um, not the most beautiful thing, but I'm sure some of you have seen a boxing match at some point in your life. So you have an idea of what that entails. But here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine these two fighters going at it. And at some point in the fight, one of those boxers gets the upper hand and he begins to back the other one into a corner and just begins to land one punch after another with devastating force and consequences. That's what the enemy wants to do through shame. 
in our lives. He wants to back us into a corner. And just like it says in Revelation 12, verse 10, He is the accuser of the brothers and sisters. And He will back us into that corner and He will land one blow after another because He's got plenty of things that He can point out about us, either from our past or even in our present. And He wants to just launch all of that against us and beat us down. But John... John knows the same thing about our past. John knows the same thing about who we were and what we were like, because he was that man too. And John is inviting us into the light. He's inviting us into the light so that we can be cleansed and so that we can enjoy this intimacy both with God and with each other. It's a beautiful thing. So where did this whole shame thing begin? Where did this all come from? Well, if you look in Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, this is where shame began, right? In the beginning, God made Adam and Eve to be in perfect fellowship and in union and in communion with Him. But then along came the serpent and fooled Adam and Eve into eating of the fruit. And it says, once they ate the fruit, verse 7, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Then then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So imagine that moment for all the, this time, Adam and Eve had been enjoying unbroken, un, uh, unhindered communion and union with God. As a matter of fact, later on here, it gives us the impression that Adam and Eve were in the habit of walking with God daily in the garden, walking with Him, talking with Him, sharing in life with Him. But sin did something. See, they were naked the whole time. They were naked the whole time. They just didn't notice it. But once sin came in, what happened? Shame came in. And shame drove them, number one, to make the loincloths to cover themselves. But number two, it shamed them into hiding rather than waiting for God in the garden for their daily walk with Him. That's what shame does. Shame pushes us into the darkness. It pushes us into hiding. It keeps us from enjoying that which is ours to enjoy. So where does shame come from? Now, shame comes from at least three different places. Three different places. First of all, we feel shame because of something we've done. Just like Adam and Eve, they had sinned against God. And quite frankly, they had sinned against each other. But that's the first thing. We feel shame because of something we've done. But there are two other ways, at least, that generate shame. We feel shame because of something done to us. There are those of you this morning who have had unspeakable things done to you, and you may have or may still be wrestling with some shame about that. And then the last one is that we feel shame because of something we're associated with. 
something that we are associated with, maybe, and there's a, a number of different things that that could be. I remember the, when I read that, I was like, well, that's really interesting. I never thought of that before. But let's just say that you are wealthy and you are in a community of people who looks down on being wealthy. Maybe there's some shame at times at all that God has blessed you with. Or maybe your profession is a shame to you. I was going to make a a really lame lawyer joke, and I decided not to do that this morning. But in reality, I want you to think about the last few years here in the U.S. There are a lot of law enforcement people who have felt shame for what they do. And that's a terrible thing. That's a terrible thing. Just like all of this other shame because of things done to us or things that God has brought us into, we should not feel shame for those things. We thank God for our law enforcement people. We thank God for the people in our military who have fought for and defended our freedoms. But Satan wants to push us and Satan wants to press us. But for the purposes of this morning's message, we're going to concentrate on the shame that we feel because of something that we have done. Because that's something that we can all relate to because we are all sinners. We all know what it's like to have sinned against God. So how do we shed shame and enjoy intimacy with God? Well, from our passage, I want us to see this morning three things. First of all, we want to see that Jesus is our confidence. Jesus is our confidence and he is our access. Second of all, Jesus is our cleansing. Jesus is our cleansing and he is our He is our atonement. And third of all, Jesus is our counselor. Jesus is our counselor or he is our advocate. So let's dive into our text this morning. Jesus is our confidence. Here back in 1 John chapter 1, we see in these first four verses of John's epistle, we see this invitation into fellowship. We see this this declaration that John makes. Hey, We want to tell you about what we have seen and what we have heard and what we have handled. And it's not some inanimate object. It's a person. He says, we want to declare to you, we want to proclaim to you the eternal life. He means Jesus. Jesus is the eternal life. He is the one that they had heard. He is the one with whom they had walked. He is the one whom they had seen and whom they had handled with their very own hands. And he says, we want you to join us. We want you to join us in this place because you too, through Jesus, have access. As a matter of fact, we see in a couple of different places in the New Testament that Jesus has not only given us access but he's given us a boldness of access. I don't know about you, but have you ever walked into the presence of someone that you were just a bit intimidated by? So maybe you got to, maybe you got to meet or to be in the presence of a particular dignitary, or maybe it was a a movie star or a professional athlete, or just someone maybe in your field that you really look up to. And when you walk into their presence, there's this sense of intimidation. There's this sense of holding back. You're not quite yourself in those moments. But John tells us that we can have access to the Father. 
And actually, back in Hebrews again, Hebrews chapter 4, and in verse 16, the writer to the Hebrews says, Therefore, come boldly to a throne of grace. Come boldly. Don't cower. Don't hold back. Be who you are. Be all of who you are. Bring all of who you are and come to a throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. And then in Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says that we have a boldness and a confidence of access. See, shame wants to keep you away from God. And if it allows you to come, it wants you to cower. It wants you to hide. It Well, to try to hide. But God is saying you don't need to do that. Jesus Christ, this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ through faith in what he did for all of us at the cross, you have a boldness and a confidence of access. When you come into the throne room, God doesn't say, who are you? No, no, Jesus jumps up and he says, Father, look, it's Laura. Look, it's Micah. Look, it's Josh. Oh, Father, look, welcome them in. Jesus is our advocate. He welcomes us in because he is our ticket into God's presence. And for all those of us who have believed on Jesus, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit has baptized us into Christ, who sits at the right hand of the Father. I want you to notice something here in 1 John 1 and in verse 2. He says, the life that was made manifest, this, the life that was, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Now, that may seem like a you know, simple phrase, but when it says with the Father, in the Greek language, that phrase, with the Father, expresses the deepest, most profound level of intimacy and relationship that the Greek language knows how to express. Jesus knows unhindered, unhampered, free and open communion with his Father. And you and I are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we have been placed into Christ. As a matter of fact, today, right now, there's a sense in which you and I are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The bottom line is whether or not we will believe that. But Jesus has this intimacy that I'm talking about this morning, and we are in Him, and so therefore He is our confidence. He is our access. When you come to the throne, you don't come based on what you have done or not done. You don't have access because of who you are or where you came from or your genealogy. You have access to the Father because of Jesus, and you belong to Him, and He belongs to you. It's a beautiful thing this morning to know that we can come with confidence. But why can we do that? We can do that because Jesus is our cleansing. 
Jesus is our cleansing. We are sinners. This is a plain fact based on what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. So now, though, as believers in Christ Jesus, we have a choice either to remain in our sin and in the resulting shame through denial, or we can receive this amazing, wonderful, penetrating forgiveness that is ours in Christ through one, as he says here in verse seven, walking in the light. John says, listen, don't deny that there's sin in your life. So this is not about denying sin. This is about openly acknowledging our sin and walking in the light with the Father and with the Son and with each other and allowing the light of God's holiness and presence and goodness to expose the darkness in us so that, verse 9, we can confess our sins. But notice this. The beauty of this is that it says in verse 7, but if we walk in the light, if we continue and remain and abide in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And what? And the blood of Jesus keeps on cleansing us from all sin. That's the Greek tense of the verb there. It keeps on continually cleansing. So it doesn't mean walk in the light and don't, and you won't have any sin. No, it's saying walk in the light, stay in the light. And when sin arises in your heart, allow the light of God to shine on that, expose that and draw you through his kindness into repentance and into confession of your sin. Why? Because if you will confess your sins, if I will confess my sins, God is faithful and just. First of all, he's faithful. What does that mean? He's faithful. He will always do it. He will never not do it. God will never let you down. There's never going to be a time if you belong to Jesus that you come with your sin and say, God, there's this thing and God's going to go, yeah, I'm done with you. Yeah, like the whole 70 times seven thing, you, you maxed out. This is number 491. Like you're over the limit. God is never, ever, 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 ever going to do that to you. God is never, ever, ever going to shame you for your sin. God brings you into the light to expose, to heal, to forgive, and to cleanse. But see, we've been shamed by people because people aren't like our Father. And they aren't like Jesus. So we need to know Jesus is our cleansing. If we stay in the light, if we will remain in that place of allowing God's truth to continue to shine on our lives through reading and studying and meditating on and sharing with each other God's beautiful truth. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Dear friends, we can be free this morning because Jesus is our cleansing. So we need to walk in the light, but sin tempts us to scurry back into the darkness and hide. Because remember, that's where Satan would love for us to stay. He would love for us to stay there because in darkness, in isolation, that is where he has the best of us. But John invites us, nope, stay, remain, don't scurry off into the darkness. That's what we feel like doing. It happened to me yesterday. Um, I was in a conversation with my wife. 
was having some frustration with some house projects, which is the norm, by the way, uh, for me. I'm not a handy guy, so every project brings with it frustrations. And she said something, and I kind of snapped at her. And she was like, whoop. She says, you know what, could you just go pray before we continue this conversation? You know, the light, the light got shined on my darkness. And, and I had an opportunity, right, to scurry off into the dark of denial and excuses and shifting blame and all these other things where I could say, let the light, it stings at first, right? It stings, but then it cleanses and it heals and it brings wholeness. And this morning, do you want to be whole? Turn to Jesus at any moment. At any moment, you can turn to Him. I want to share one specific verse with you. I had a few, but I, I want to share one specific. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says something that I have just really grabbed onto in my life and held onto that I want to share with you. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. I want you to understand something from this verse this morning. This verse tells us that we have a new history in Jesus. Your past is gone. Your past has been obliterated by the blood of Jesus. You have a new history because the Bible says in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Dear friend, if you have believed in Jesus, then you were crucified with Christ. Your old man, your old woman, your old self, all and all the baggage and the history that you brought with you to the cross was crucified, buried, and put away. That's something to celebrate this morning. We have a new history. And by the way, that new history can happen on a daily basis, right? Because we still are sinning. We still fall and stumble. But at any moment, at any moment, you can turn and confess. And the enemy will try to say to you, you've gone too far this time. Don't do it. Don't go there this time because he's not going to do it. But remember, he's faithful. He's faithful and he's just. It's the right thing for him to do to forgive you because Jesus paid the price for your sin. You don't have anything left to pay. That is a glorious truth this morning. Praise the Lord in your heart, if not out loud, because God has taken away every one of your sins. And Psalm 103 says that God has taken it and he's put it as far away as the east is from the west. You and I can't even imagine what that means, dear friends. That's how far away he's put it from you. It is so far away from you. It has nothing to do with you anymore. And the question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Quick analogy, you're on a plane, you're flying, you're maybe a little bit nervous, uh, you're buckled in, you're by the window, all of a sudden you hit some turbulence, Ooh, you get nervous, okay? And then all of a sudden you look out the window and you see something going on with the wing and you're like, oh, we're going down, we're going down. And you jump up out of your seat and you run to the cockpit and you're banging on the door saying, stop, we're going down, help. And the pilot just says, nope, everything's fine. 
Everything is just fine. Just please go back and sit down. Everything's okay. You're like, no, it can't be okay. It can't be okay. I know what I saw. I know what I did. I know what happened. We're going down. And the flight attendant comes along as another advocate for you. And she says, no, let's go back to, the, to your seat and just relax. Dear friends, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you just to relax and to trust him. Because there are things that have happened and maybe are happening in your life that lead you to a place where you're not sure, where you're not sure it's going to be okay. You're not sure it's going to be forgiven. You're not sure it's going to be cleansed. And God is saying, trust me, I've got everything under control. You are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are healed. Why? Because point number three, Jesus is our counselor. He is our advocate here in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What is that word, advocate? You have a, you have a defense attorney. You have someone who is ready to come alongside you. It's that Greek word paraclete that, we, that Jesus uses of the Holy Spirit. But we have an advocate. We have somebody at the right hand of God fighting for us. We have somebody at the right hand of God standing for us, saying, Father, I paid for that. I paid for that. Every accusation that comes, every self-doubt that comes, Jesus is saying, I paid for that. I paid for that. I paid for that. So this morning, some of you are stuck. And God wants to help you get unstuck. He wants you to put the full weight of your life, your eternal destiny, but even the the contentment and the happiness and the vitality of the life that you're living right now. He wants you to cast the full weight of, of that upon him because he is our hope. He is our advocate. He is the one who is fighting for us. But someday, friends, someday this whole shame thing is going to be put away once and for all, forever. In Revelation chapter 21, John says, I saw the new heavens and the new earth. And he begins to describe all that is going on. And he says, God's going to wipe away every tear. God's going to take away every burden. God's going to wipe it all away. And there's going to be a day when there is no more sin, no more shame, nothing that will ever, ever separate us again from the love that we have and the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. Nothing. Dear friends, wait for that day. But the point is this. Let's not wait for that day. Let's not wait for that day to enjoy this invitation that we have. Don't wait until heaven to enjoy God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Don't wait. Don't allow sin and shame to continue to push you into the dark closet of your life and bind you there. Confess your sin. And believe and trust that He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't wait. Enjoy the beautiful truth that you can shed the shame and walk in intimacy with Him today and every day.